0: Everyone And welcome to another edition of Look-See, the podcast for the art curious in Richmond and beyond. I'm Paige Goodpasture. Categories of the past are collapsing in contemporary art. Artists use the medium and materials that are the best conduit for personal, political, and social messaging, and often their artistic practices include many processes at once— they might be painters and sculptors, or use fiber, video, and performance to make a single work. As they looked closely at work being made by contemporary artists, curators Stephanie Fedor and Melissa Messina kept seeing the quilt being used by contemporary artists as a medium to explore questions and communicate messages. It felt like it was touching on something that the country needs right now a platform where we could come together around polarizing ideas. Perhaps the quilt was a tool or a starting point. They wanted to put together an exhibition that would allow the artist to tell us why the quilt resonates so strongly right now. In the resulting show, the Embedded Message, Quilting in Contemporary Art, On view now at the Visual Arts Center of Richmond, Stephanie and Melissa give 13 artists a chance to show us why this is happening in the art of the now. I spoke with them both and artist Gina Adams just as the show opened. I'm here today at the Visual Arts Center of Richmond with the two co-curators of the exhibition that is on view now in the galleries here at Viz Arts, called Embedded Message, Quilting in Contemporary Art, and also with us today is Gina Adams, who is one of the artists in the show, and she's actually created an original piece for the show, which is very exciting. So thank you guys for being here with me today for the look podcast.
1: Thanks for
0: having us. Thank you. Thank you so much. Stephanie Fedor and Melissa Messina are the co-curators of this really wonderful exhibition, and so thank you all for bringing all of this work for us to see to Richmond, allowing us to have the opportunity to see so many different ways in which quilting is used as a medium for artist work. When you were thinking about putting this exhibition together, you know the obvious question is sort of why quilts in a fine arts context why do artists choose quilts as a medium for their work in exploring contemporary themes?
1: I'll say that we actually had that same question. As we were out and about looking at all different sorts of uh, works that contemporary artists are making, we continue to see this theme. And we were seeing a number of artists who, one, work in a quilting tradition, but artists who actually don't. But incorporating quilts into their larger body of work And that started us on a conversation to really look into this further. We're really letting the artists lead this conversation and hopefully letting them tell us why quilts.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think it really does stem from our active looking. We both have a mutual curatorial interest in contemporary art that's based in fibers, traditions, and textile traditions. And kept seeing the quilt as the substrate. We pose the same question. Why is this happening right now? Why are we seeing this as a, as a trend? Where does it come from? What is the history of that? Really, it's a generation of artists that are looking back at not only art historical traditions, but uh, more craft-based traditions and what the quilt can be as this conduit for personal messaging and political messaging and where that intersects. But it it really felt like it was touching on something that we as a country need right now, which is a platform where we can come together around some of these perhaps more polarizing ideas. And it seemed like the quilt for these artists was that tool, was that starting point.
1: I would say also, we talked a lot about the history of the quilt and conversation that went back and forth that where do we start this conversation? We know that there are artists in their practice going from Faith Ringhold, I mean, starting with Rauschenberg going back, there are a lot of artists who have actually used the quilt in their work. So we're talking about one from that historical point of view, but also from a historical point of view that the quilt has such a rich history and we know that it does globally. And we needed to, I think, hone that conversation and make sure that the ideas and the different concepts that the artists that we were putting in the show were working with really resonated for us with this history of
0: place as well. And I think our show does that in a lot of ways. I think we should just go ahead and jump right into the specific artists, because so much of what you all are saying can be seen in all of these artists' work. One of the artists who has several pieces in the show is Sanford Biggers, who is a contemporary artist with a pretty high profile right now. and. His work in quilts definitely brings a lot of these things in that you all were just talking about. Melissa, you were talking about the idea of finding something that we can all come together around and yet that allows us also to have very difficult conversations, and quilting and quilts are the perfect example of that, something that many of us can relate to, that we think of as homey and comforting, and that's our first experience of a quilt, and yet Sanford Bigger's work and many of the other artists in the show use that, use sometimes antique quilts, sometimes um, newly made quilts, to then jump into some very difficult conversations. Well,
1: Samford is definitely one of the earliest artists that we were considering and looking at when we were talking about this show. He's, I think, really has pushed this idea of quilt as part of a media, but also as really a loaded object or an embedded object. Ford, in his practice, ties a lot of these threads throughout our entire exhibition. Uh, The piece that we have from 2011 in our show, UGRR, harkens to the Underground Railroad, and what he is interested in or what I've heard him say he's interested in is this fluid history. There has been a disputed history that quilts had played a role in the Underground Railroad, that the symbols that people would stitch on quilts would be locators or wayfinders, the way a quilt would be folded and placed on a fence or a tree, could say this is a safe house or keep moving. That history is disputed, but he actually is interested in that fluidity. And the fact that the quilt, you know, has one, that that location in history as an African-American man, I think is very important in his work. But also the fact that the quilt is, and he's using antique quilts, the quilt is something that was made by generations that came before him. And one thing that I heard him say recently in conversation is that he comes as a late collaborator to this work, that it took many hands to make this and his is one that continues to carry this story forward and he's carrying it from his contemporary point of view and his contemporary conversation and I think for our exhibition overall I think that speaks to a lot of the artist's work
2: Yeah and I think in using the antique quilt as the object for for many of the artists in the show it is the energy that the object is imbued with by whoever made it and how it was used, right? They're stained, they're ripped. They have their own history that the artists are using as this kind of loaded canvas. So I think the fact that he's using something and, and honoring an object, I think that's also very important in the show. That even if artists are sort of playing on or disrupting the traditional quilt and its own history, they're also honoring it and paying homage to that history as well, as, as much as they're adding their layered conversation and perhaps an updated conversation. But it's almost cyclical, too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's, that's often quilts are
0: passed down for that reason. So Sanford Biggers, the, the piece that we have been talking about, UGRR, is The canvas, sort of, is an antique quilt, and then he has collaborated with those ancestral makers to put his own marks on the quilt in several different ways, and I would love for you guys to talk about the ways in which he has made this his own work and statement of what he's thinking about now as a contemporary artist. So for this
1: piece in particular, and, and Sanford is an artist who approaches this from a lot of different ways. So it's an antique quilt that we have in the show, and, and you can tell that really just upon first approach. So it's stained. There are markings of use and, and he actually calls this its own patterning of use, which I think is really interesting in terms of his work. He paints directly onto this quilt as a canvas. He also has a number of or types of imagery that shows up again and again in his work. So there is is a lotus figure which is screen printed. It it looks like a flower upon first approach and it's stitched onto the canvas of the screen print but really it is a rendering of slave trade boats and so they come together to make what looks like you know, just a beautiful pattern but once you get closer and approach the object you can recognize this as as really a map for how slave traders would lay out men and women in a boat to move them across middle passage. Um, So these are symbols that show up in Sanford's work again and again he also has on this particular quilt schematics for dance steps so another form of mapping that you know harkens to the next step in a generation of mapping and I see it as you know sort of jazz and swing dancing mapping on there and talking about a whole new level of culture that comes beyond that as well this is a really exciting quilt but it shows a lot of the themes that appear in Sanford's work again and again. I think what's surprising
2: about that quilt that you don't see in the imagery too is he's sewn in small little mirrored circles. And so there's a a sort of a reference to constellations. So this other layer, I mean, it's a map on top of a map on top of a map on top of a map.
0: The second piece that you all have in the show is a brand new piece of his. You really cannot take in this piece through photography. You really have to be in its presence. Because it is an antique textile, the wear on that textile doesn't really show up in the imagery, and it's really powerful when you see it live, so to speak. And also the figure is made up of many, 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 many pink sequins, and even more subtly. The pink sequins are slightly different colors in certain places to create the details of the face and profile of the figure that's in the quilt. And you just cannot really get that when you see it in in an image. So that is my pitch to listeners to come and see the show live because it's just beautiful and moving in a way that really can't be conveyed in any other way but standing in front of it. Gina Thank you so much for being here, first of all. You have traveled all the way from Colorado to be here to present this piece that you've created for the show. And there are some similarities in the way that you work and in some of the materials and ways of working that we've been talking about with Sanford Biggers. So can you talk about that a little bit and then share with us what your piece is about? Thank you so much.
3: Yeah, there, there's definitely some similarities with Sanford Biggers' work. As I was listening to Melissa and Steph talk about this work, I was thinking about the similarities. And often for me, I'm a contemporary hybrid artist. I'm hybrid because I'm between two worlds. I'm both indigenous, native nation descent, and I am also descent of the founders of this country. Samuel Adams is a great, great grandfather. He was cousin to John Quincy Adams, and John Adams, our founding father. So I have a history with having a foot in both worlds. And it's often this divide that I find challenging to negotiate. And I want to be able to experience work for myself that is both healing and can change a social political climate or create a small change that then creates a ripple. That's very important to me. So to find these quilts and work on these antique quilts that have such meaning and comfort, that were carried and loved, but now have ended up somewhere where they don't have an identity of the maker anymore, that added to my Native American descent of being Ojibwa and Lakota. There's an identified lack of identity. I often look at archives, at objects, and photographs where there, it's identity unknown. And my own identity on that side, for many, many connections, is unknown. And the healing for myself and for other people who have a similar history that I have some people don't even know they have this history, by the way, because that was the system put in place. These, Dawes Act, assimilation, annihilation. Our founding fathers created these systems of the reservation. George Washington, it was his idea. We don't even know this in our history books. So I'm giving credit to both sides. And I'm also forming an apology from my white ancestral founding father, inherited descent side. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to form this layer of meaning, but creating change is most important. Creating a dialogue of the history is the most important thing to me. This is not just my work. Mm. It's work for the nation.
0: Something that touched me and impacted me so deeply when I uh, heard you speak about your work is that you, in your person, and also in your work, embody what we think of as two different stories, but they're really not two different stories. They're the same story. So being the descendant of Sam Adams and also the descendant of Native peoples, you as an individual and and many Americans, and you and your work, create a new paradigm, a new way of thinking about this history, that it's not two separate histories. It's not the history of Native people and the history of European Americans, but that they're intertwined. I think you talked about how your ancestor, Sam Adams, was a signer of the Declaration of Independence, and those ideas, that are contained in that document are ideas that we all hold dear, even those of us who have been oppressed and exploited throughout American history still can agree that if we apply those ideas to everyone, We cherish them. But at the same time, the other part of your family was oppressed and exploited and even killed by these same people who were writing these words that we all hold dear. And words and language are very important in your work. So can you talk a little bit about that? Miigwech.
3: Thank you so much. Yes. Language is hugely important language being Ojibwa, and Anishinaabe-speaking person, still trying to learn my language, still being a student of the culture, still listening to elders, finding them wherever I go, finding them in my heart, to trust, love, honor, respect, repeat. As a contemporary person, someone who grew up on the East Coast about an hour north of Boston. I was often met with the stereotype growing up of what it meant to be from a Native American nation. The stereotype was directly connected to Curtis photos and to the unknown objects in anthropological collections. I often, growing up, was met with really amazing bias toward what people felt they governed in their own beliefs Language, that kind of language can be damaging when you're growing up, but to the artist as an adult, it's extremely powerful. Extremely powerful. I'm often trying to connect with my heart and my mind with truth and honesty, but also empowerment, because right now we have things that need to change.
0: Gina, one of the other things that you've said about your work that I also found sort of paradigm shifting for me is that. Part of what you're doing with your work is you are sewing injustice into an object of comfort. Sanford Biggers is definitely doing that. Gina Adams is definitely doing that. Aaron McIntosh is doing that, who is a Richmond artist whose work addresses LGBT and particularly Southern queer oppression and violence. So can you all talk about some of the other artists that are in the show that use the quilt and its associations with comfort as a way to sort of reframe some of these issues in the minds of the viewer.
2: I think that that is happening in a really interesting way that is both very specific and personal and very broad. Someone like Aaron McIntosh with his invasive project and the piece that he created here as a memorial to the Pulse nightclub shooting, a very specific moment but sometimes these specific moments speak to such broadly reaching concepts. So I think that, for me, is what I find really fascinating in this exhibition, that the artists are are talking from a place of specificity or a place of, of a personal connection to a place or an idea or a concept and allowing us to enter into that dialogue with them through the quilt. Certainly things are... Shifting in the show in that way, I think about Catherine Clark's quilts that are based on land maps, city maps, that looked at the foreclosures in this country during our housing crisis. She started as an urban planner, also a quilt maker, and and brought those two ideas together. Or someone like Hank Willis Thomas, who is making his quilt out of decommissioned prison uniforms. So his, I think, is perhaps more broadly speaking to a specific issue and Catherine is taking the challenge truly to the actual street level, right? Mm-hmm. So I find that really, really fascinating. And then I think artists are also looking at a at a personal iconography. I think of Amanda Rossho, or even Sterling Ruby, to to a, to an extent, are making their quilts out of remnants of their stu- their own studio practice. So they're remarking on their own place in in art history and making the quilt an art object and where where that connects. Or someone like Sia Wolfalk, who has created an entire universe mm-hmm. based on these fantastical folkloric figures and what they do in in their place and how
0: that connects to our world. With Catherine Clark, for example, she has taken data and translated the data into a quilt pattern, in essence. And it's sort of an abstraction of a cityscape, sort of an aerial cityscape, and shows foreclosures in those neighborhoods and cities. She specifically chose quilting and textiles as the medium for her work because she wanted that association with home and comfort and sort of wanted to challenge that and say, you know, this isn't available to everyone. To represent the foreclosures, she's torn. I mean, there are holes in the work. They read at first as color, but when you get closer, they are really torn out the fabric of neighborhoods and cities and civilization are sort of torn out in addition to to the fabric of somebody's personal life. And Elizabeth Duffy is another one who has done something really interesting around this issue of comfort and injustice, where she has created an alphabet, an abstract alphabet of symbols that are the aerial views of various prisons. And there are other references to incarceration in her work. You know, it reads as a pretty quilt that you'd put on your bed until you really learn about what are these symbols and what is this pattern that's on the fabric that she's using. So those are some ways, I think, that this idea of of what Gina said about sewing injustice into this object of comfort come in to the work and the show. And then, Melissa, you were also talking about the work of Amanda Ross Ho and Sterling Ruby, their work also represents another really overarching theme in your in your show, which is using everyday objects and sometimes accidental. So in their work, they're using remnants from their studios, drop cloths that have had paint spilled on them or whatever, and then taking those accidentally created pieces and Using them to make something that is very intentional and rigorous and quilting is a process similar to weaving. You know, it has a lot of rules that you have to follow traditionally. And then there's this whole other group of work that's just beautiful. Saya Wolfuck's work is crazy and mind-blowing and psychedelic in a way and beautiful, and then there are some other pieces that are like that, too, that are painterly. So can you guys talk about that a little bit?
1: In many of the cases where it seems more like a traditional quilt like Amanda's work, what we're really, we're asking you to look at is the material. Artists in our show, there's somewhere specifically the materials that they're using, that they're selecting, that is the signifier of their message. Amanda's for one. So it's really sort of a snake biting its tail. You can look at that work and you can also see all of her other work because that's what came after all of this other work came before it, which is really interesting. So it becomes its own historical object of her studio practice. Sterling Ruby is absolutely the same way. And I think Ben Venom's work falls along those lines as well. So his work is meticulous and beautiful. In our show, it is this beautifully rendered quilt of this owl, where its wingspan from one side to the other, the fabrics flow seamlessly. But they're made out of all old recycled rock concert shirts. So you know, heavy Metal shirts. Um, you can you can find Iron Maiden in, in from one side of the wing to the other, but these objects that were used and used probably not in the most pristine manner. But he has the ability to sort of translate that. So putting pop culture, so really playing with those ideas as well, and in other people's histories, you know, pulling those T-shirts from right off the backs of other people.
2: Well, and at the same time, to use that as an example, the owl. You're sort of invested in the beauty of how he made this piece, and you sort of have. Have a smile on your face when you realize that they're made out of Iron Maiden t-shirts. But the owl is actually dropping bombs, right? So there, so you know, it was important for Stephanie and I that the work not all be somber in tone. You can learn as much from a joke. So there are moments of humor in the exhibition, there are certainly moments of beauty in the exhibition. And to your point, Paige, I think it's all in how the artist is, is handling the quilt. To add to that, speaking of Ben's, it's methodically and strategically made. There's a lot of math and a lot of patterning and care that goes into his work. And then to look at that next to somebody like Tamika Norris, who's allowing the remnants that she's finding in post-Katrina New Orleans to create these quilt-based objects that are, are not pristine by any stretch of the imagination. They're very organic in their shape. She's letting the forms of the remnants that she's finding dictate how the piece grows. You can sit on her bundles on the floor so that quilts weren't just objects hung on the wall as 2D, but they can be a video work as in Saya's. They can be beanbags as in Tamika's. It can be a drop cloth as in Amanda's.
0: There are a lot of women artists in this show, and there are a lot of men artists like Ben Venom, for example. And then there are also some artists who are really directly addressing feminist ideas and questions and and themes in their works. Was that something that you all were thinking about when you were putting the show together?
2: Absolutely. I I feel like you can't have a quilt show without that question coming up, right? Quilts are, are so tied to women's work and a feminist tradition, and in some ways are devalued because of that, in my feminist opinion. (laughs) But it was important that we had that duality in the exhibition, that it wasn't just female artists. There are pieces that I think make direct reference to that notion of of women's work and handicraft. Uh, I think particularly of Vadis Turner's work. I think Vadis is maybe the most overt in her intention of looking at female elders in her community. So it was certainly something that we wanted to pay homage to in the exhibition.
0: Another thing that comes to mind that I think is another theme (laughs) is the idea of memory and embedded history— The show is called The Embedded Message. One of the possible meanings of that is that there is this idea of a history, and often in these works, there is this idea of unidentifiable history, anonymous history that is still part of the piece, and... and, In Vadis' work, she is specifically taking an oral history and creating something that is physical, that embodies that. Aaron's work that's literally a memorial to the victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting, that is a way of physically embodying them forever. I think Aaron's work
2: is a really interesting juxtaposition to someone like Hank Willis Thomas when you're thinking about anonymity. When I see Hank's piece, which is a sculptural quilt, it's wrapped around a frame and there's kind of a keyhole, a door hole. It almost looks like a a door of a prison cell. And when you think of the uniforms that he is making the piece out of that don't even have a serial number on them, right? Like who wore those prison uniforms? We don't know who these people are who labored and lived in incarceration in, in this quilted material, right? And then when Aaron talked about making his piece, which is memorial again to the the 49 victims of the Pulse nightclub shooting, he originally wasn't going to embroider the names. He only was going to put the kudzu leaves to identify the 49 people. And it came about that as he was making the piece, he was very inspired to insert their names in this beautiful embroidered thread. So I think those two pieces very much embody, as you so eloquently said, this sort of anonymity and 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 naming and trying to name and honor the people or honor those who are not named in, in all of the work.
1: And I, I think that really that theme is so prevalent in this exhibition. I mean, these quilts, like Gino was saying before, they weren't signed objects. They were works that mainly women made. Um, in many cases, in terms of women's work, it was, even though they didn't put their name on it, it's where they had a voice. So I think what's really great about the works in these shows is that these artists do get to put a voice as much as they can, or they get to point to that. As uh, Sanford says, he's sort of continuing a legacy, um, and I think... Thinking about that idea of authorship um, and what it means to work on top of work that's already come before that hasn't been named is a really powerful aspect to the show.
0: So then there's also Maria Guzman Caprone's work, which has a lot of humor and shock value. And, you know, she's definitely very kind of in your face with her subject matter and. The question that arose when I saw her work and with some of the other work in the show, too, like Saya Wolfuck's work, and is what is a quilt? Because her work, Maria Guzman Capron's work, is very sculptural. Aaron's is very sculptural, for that matter, but his has traditional quilting methods and patterns in it that is more kind of directly connected with what we think of as, as quilting, like with Gina's work or with Sanford Bigger's work. So when you all were thinking about putting this exhibition together, what, how did you define what a quilt was and what could be included as a part of a contemporary quilt show?
1: Well, it's interesting because we actually we really did have this conversation and, and we would look at a piece and we would say, you know, we're, we're really interested in this artist's work. We think that's a banner. We don't think that's a quilt, even though it embodied, you know, some of the same techniques that these artists are doing. And I think for us, a lot of it really is in the delivery of some of the messaging. So Maria's work and what I see when I see this piece, it's this big, playful, figurative piece. But of all the works in our show, it really is, even though it's organic in its structure, it really is kind of bed-shaped. It's it's big enough to pull over you and go to sleep under. And that's something that I, I really personally responded to once I saw that piece. And I said, you know, this does not feel like, you know, what what you would first think of when you saw a quilt, but when you actually think of this form... You could and there's a softness there. You can you you know, she's playing with those ideas and I think the scale of that work for me really makes this as much of a as a true functional quilt as, as many of the objects in the show. To add to that I think it's a
2: relationship to the body. And you see the figure in a lot of works in in more overt ways. To go back to Saya, right? They're actually kind of costumes, for lack of a better word, on mannequins. So they, they really, truly take the human form. But something like Maria's, I mean, it kind of feels like a sleeping bag a little bit to me, right? So that the relationship to the body and this idea of comfort, extending that even further to the human hand, right? That there's this notion of labor and and a connection to the process of making a quilt. So I think that the making, the techniques, and the relationship to the body were certainly something we were were thinking about when we were trying to define or push the boundaries of what a quilt can be.
0: It's a fantastic show. I think you all should definitely make it travel. But while it's here in Richmond at the Visual Arts Center, it's here through February 11th? It is. It's just a fantastic show and there's so much in the show that it's something that you really need to come back to again and again. So thank you, Stephanie Fedor and Melissa Messina and Gina Adams for talking with me today on Looksee about embedded message quilting in contemporary art.
3: Thank My you. Pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: Well, that's it for today's episode of the Looksee podcast. To see images of the ravishing quilts that we talked about on today's show, go to our website, look You can also find links to past shows, as well as videos, articles, and a list of events. So much to read, watch, do, and listen at look So check it out, and thanks for listening to the look podcast.